What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, as we load up here a week away from the spring game, Nebraska v. Nebraska. Numbers to get in this morning can join us on Hale Varsity, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email the show, chris at halevarsity.com and Get a hold of us on Twitter. Give Hale Varsity a follow. Give ESPN Lincoln a follow. At ESPN Lincoln, at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me. At Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, Mark Cranach used to have a really good Twitter handle. It is no more. Cranach, what's the good word, brother? How are you? Can't believe it's a week, right? I know. We've been doing time waiting for this thing. sound is weird. No, you sound great. Oh, good. Okay. That's awesome. Um, yeah, good morning, man. It is only a week away. <laughs> and that'll be good. I, by the way, got really good seats for the spring game because, you know, it's a little bit different. You put in your you put in your request and then you get seated in a different spot than you would if you have season tickets. And uh, that part's pretty cool. That so part's pretty cool. what suite did you uh, wrangle? I didn't. I didn't get that, but I just got in and around fifty yard line. Which is <laughs> great. Like, I didn't. <laughs> I love my kids. I just. I didn't get the sweet. No, I, I'm. I'm messing with you. I. Uh, I have. I we we have a triple header of baseball next Saturday, which is great. Oh, triple header. Yeah, well, like a triangular, Jeez. you know. Yeah. Ooh. So I might be off. We might just have two. I don't know, but figure that out so yeah we're we're all set up man just to get lay it out for you so single barrel love that place uh get the butcher's board first and foremost that is uh an obscene serving of meat it's phenomenal uh we're gonna be at the uh, the single is it sort of like uh it's charcuterie stuff or what well no it it, (laughs) it's uh it's two different steaks all right oh it's 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 their homemade brisket. It's uh, a slab of ribs. Mm. Uh, they have Bernay Bernay sauce with one of these steaks. Jeez. What else does it come with? Uh, a burger. Oh, a burger. <laughs> uh, wow. Burger. And I thought uh, you were going charcuterie. I thought it was going to be a handful of random sausages and then some small pickles and like some mustard oh. and. Thank you. Wow. And and they, they, they have some sausage there too. Oh, you're welcome. So wow. yeah, that's that's the full meal deal, bro. And so when you go to the single barrel, either Friday or Saturday, to come by and say hi and get some cool gear. Um get get the butcher's board and you'll be ha- you'll be so happy. So shameless plug. Four to six Friday. Uh, uh, 9.30 to 11.30 in front of kickoff on Saturday. Yay. How about that butcher board for breakfast? How about the butcher board for breakfast? And then one for after the game. One for after the game. That's the way to do it. And then one for dessert. Sure. Just roll with it that way. Cranach, it's been interesting this week. And, you know, momentum's a a good thing. Optimism's a, a real thing with spring football and then this week didn't disappoint when you listen to the coaches and you listen to the players we'll get some uh, some thoughts from rob zadiska coming up here in a, a a little longer rewind he was with us yesterday so 
you know, I listened to, to, to Dawson talk about the young guys needing needing getting the reps but needing the development and you know, they're they're not there yet, but man, they're they're putting the work in. You you listen to the tight ends and, and of course Coach Beckton's like they're getting some work in and then I I was really kind of impressed with, with Oliver Martin and just He's a quiet dude that just kind of laid out there. Just uh, you could just tell how frustrated he was with the injury. Right, we saw him against Illinois, and then he was really never the same because he just had this nagging issue where he couldn't really bend his bend his leg, and finally he got back on the on the field. But he was just so dejected. And think of his his journey, like Iowa, Michigan whatever order, and then I think it was Michigan, then Iowa, and then um, and then Lincoln. So he finally gets to, to play, and then he has to miss so much time, and he was just bummed out. He was just bummed out. But he spent time talking about how he really connected with Mickey Joseph. He touched on how we get pressed all the time in coverage, we being the wide receiver group. You heard Frost talk a lot last year about guys needing to get separation, right? And then he talked about just all the stuff that Mickey's taught those guys that is probably pretty common. But I think that the, the difference, this is a jump to conclusion, I think there's some of these new coaches that some of the kids really feel like, well, these guys have made an effort to connect with me. And I think jo- I think Joseph's one of those guys. He's, a, he's an old pro. He's phenomenal. But it, just case in point here, Oliver Martin, Cranach, is – is a guy that I think is is pretty excited a about staying healthy, but b uh, is is pretty wild. And then the last part of this week, as we review the uh, the optimism of spring, um, Martin talked about having answers for everything and the multiplicity. And you know, we're, we're multiple. What's your offensive identity, Cranach? Well, we're multiple, right? I mean, how many times has that been said? But it sounds like um, that goes back Ripple's- to Solich. Yeah, it does. But that goes back to yeah. <laughs> that goes back Yo. to Lombardi, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it sounds like Nebraska's um, maybe going to be that way, where they can run the football, but they can also go four or five wide. The key bet is, can they be good at all of it? <laughs> right? It's one thing. <laughs> it's one thing to be multiple. It's another to be. Oh, like be good, right? <laughs> what? Brad will break that down this morning on Hale Varsity Radio. Oh God, yeah. We can report that they will call a pass play. They may call a run play. They may throw it to a receiver. They may, they may run throw it to a DB. They may throw it to what a DB. We don't know. What we don't know is that they're good at any of those things. <laughs> we'll find out. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Rutgers and their, like, non-heyday of recent times were also very multiple. UConn was also <laughs> very multiple. They you never knew if they were going to be terrible at throwing or terrible at running. You just you knew they'd be, be terrible. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Good oh, enough. God. Are they going to be good? In, in fact, if you boiled, I mean, if you boil it down to its most simple form, that's really the question we're asking every single Saturday on this here radio show. Do we? And we're just trying to survive. Get to that are we going is nebraska going to be good at the sport <laughs> like we'll see could they be good for four quarters at the sport oh and so, it's, it's interesting you bring up oliver martin too because wasn't it the iowa game where he he kind of pulled up he pulled up on a, on a it was i think it was a wisconsin post. game it was a wisconsin game yeah it was wisconsin you're right where he pulled up and that led to the interception. It was one of the future, you know, because you never know if it's the receiver or the quarterback. I mean, you don't, it's not like you never know. Sometimes you know, but that one you definitely knew. Like, that was not on Adrian. That was not on Adrian. Like, dude pulled up. And so as you were talking about how, you know, maybe he was, he was bummed out. He's, he's dealing with that, 
injury. It just it didn't seem right. And and you were just sitting there like, God, does he even want to? Does he want to play? Like, it doesn't seem like now, he wants to play. He did not seem like he wanted bit, to get to that ball. Well, now it's a little bit clear. Oh, <laughs> you you really just gutted it out even trying to be out there. And when you physically couldn't do something or you were injured and it affected your ability to perform, here's your result, right? You throw the interception because you can't go get it. So yeah. it's yeah. a little rough. Baseball got a win, Cranach. Did you celebrate last night? I did watch some of it on BTN+. Plus. I accidentally renewed uh, that subscription. I don't know if you have it. Uh, it's $120 a year or something like that. And it's one of those things, like, if you don't cancel it, you're just going to renew. And it hit me. I was like, duh, I guess. All right. I guess I got it for another year. It's not, it's not totally worth it. I'll be honest. Sorry, BTN Plus. But, you know, now, but you do get those random games, right? Mm-hmm. And it's usually, so last night, it was the Ohio State student production of the Nebraska-Ohio State game. So I did watch quite a bit of it. And, you know, I, I mean, we could sit here and break down the Ohio State announcers' work. Um, they need a little work. They, they need a little work. They were very excited about uh, the school that they attend. Uh, but I'll tell you what. Were they wearing sweater now, vests? Yeah. It's, you know. No, were they? You know, were they wearing know, sweater vests? I mean, it's likely. They didn't. I, I didn't see the stand-up. I don't know if they did a stand-up. Uh, I think it was gotcha. just all. Yeah, I had a picture in my head of what they looked like, and yeah, one of them struck me as a sweater vest type. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> look, you got you did get another solid outing from Shanneman. and I got to think we talked about this whew, several weeks ago, where it's like that staff isn't settled, right? You know, it's just not. But now, but now, okay, maybe maybe it is starting to settle a little bit because between Shanneman and Cody, you got a couple guys that are in the mid threes ERA wise, so they're kind of they're doing their job, right? They're they're doing their job, but it's just a you can speaking of being good on offense. Yes, they have bats. Yes, they do swing at pitches, but are they good at it? <laughs> do they actually get on base? Do they score runs? The answer is no. Like that that is the that is the very obvious problem. There are a few problems with the baseball team, but. You've at least you're at least starting to get a little stability on the staff. You're starting to get some. You, you, I think it's like five straight good outings for Shanneman. Um, Cody Frank. We'll see how he does tonight. And Ohio State's not a world beater, so he he has a chance to, you know, pump out six innings, maybe give up a couple runs, give him a chance. But man, they Nebraska leaves so many guys on base, and they just don't. You know, they're 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 big hitters, aren't hitting well. Um, God, I think your number three hitter is like 270. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're just not, they're not putting the ball in play. Uh, so it's a, they, they get thrown out stealing. It's just, they, they cannot figure out what they're, what they're doing offensively right now. So we'll see if they can round into form, trust in bolt. You should, uh, but yeah, this doesn't look like it's going to be one of those magical runs that you saw last year this doesn't look like a team that's ready to go on the road and compete with arkansas in a regional by any stretch cranach what do you look at it as is is it youth the 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 majority i mean first and foremost there's there's a lot to reload okay so that's that's rough um you have some some vets that are scuffling with their new role uh, and then you have all three phases that are problematic at times. Offense can disappear. Defense and taking care of the baseball's not not great. It's been it's been tough all year. And then and that's he, been a and, surprise too because that's sort of yeah, the hallmark of a Will Bolt team. It is. And then your pitching, like you mentioned, can be problematic. I I just think the the approach and it's too bad when. There's a compliment that's thrown out there. Hey, I think this team can have a little more power, right? I think they can they can hit some some bombs this year. Well, just because 
you can do it. Um, you're you're maybe pressing to to make that your your offense and its identity versus just kind of going with it. Baseball's so screwy <laughs> with uh, with every pitch, with every at bat, just the mental intensity it, it's required. And Nebraska seems to be pressing uh, from time to time, but they got the win. They hung on uh, better than the alternative. Clearly, uh, last weekend a little bit dejecting at dejecting after Friday's win. You you drop the Saturday Sunday. Uh, Ohio State's not incredible this year, but good for Nebraska to at least get off on the right foot. Maybe they settle down and just don't worry about the uh, the periphery. They just kind of grind away and. Find a groove. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's what this weekend can represent for Nebraska moving forward. You would hope, man. It's just that there's something with their approach at the plate too, and I think it is less on ability. Like if there's something on the approach that's maybe not sinking in right now with the team, where it's you know, and Will Bolt talked about it. I think after the Creighton game about taking what the defense gives you, which you don't hear a lot about in, in baseball, at least in those terms. Those are like football terms that I think we can kind of relate with where it's like, Hey, you get a, you get a low outside pitch on a, on a, you know, swinging couch, like slap that thing the other way. Right. Um, it's just sort of, you know, don't try to yank everything. Don't try to hit home runs all the time. Don't try to be the hero. Just you know, put the ball in play, move the runners, right? Just, Kind of take yourself out of it. Don't try to just hit piss ropes all the time. <laughs> like, take take what the take what the deep. But and because because you look at some of the stats, and like take Bryce Matthews for instance. And I'm not doing this just to pick on him. Super talented shortstop. But dude, li- listen. I mean, 84 at bats, 30 strikeouts. Like Man. that screams more approach than ability because you know his ability is better than that. Right. And he and from all accounts, he had a really good offseason of training and he's in phenomenal shape and all those things. But like that's approach. <laughs> he's better than that. Right. Cam Chick, percentage wise, even worse. Right. He's, he strikes out like almost one out of every two at bats right now. Mm. That's approach. That's that's approach. Max Anderson, not a big strikeout guy, which is good. But this is a guy that put up serious numbers in the Cape Cod League which is like, you know, the, the preeminent college, you know, off-season league. Um, he, he performed really well there. He's only, he's only at 255 right now. That's a big-time hitter, Max Anderson. Very talented hitter. And he, he's only at he's, – he's barely, you know, he's flirting with Mendoza. Like, it, it, you know, and, and I think part of that too is as much as the staff wasn't settled, the lineup really isn't either. And Bolt's been messing with that for a while. And when you take a Jackson Hallmark out of there, you take a Luke Roscom out of there, you take a um, Schwellenbach out of there, some of those guys had more protection, right? Max Anderson in particular had a much more protection in the lineup uh, than he does this year where he's now kind of the guy. So they're, they're finding their way offensively. They are more talented and more capable than the numbers they're putting up. There's no question about that. Um, but you gotta you gotta figure out how to get through to them, and how to get them to have a better approach because their approach they're going up there with right now, for the most part, is not a good one. <laughs> it's just not 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 putting the ball in play. I mean, dude, this well, strikeout. I think last night what was it? Was it sixteen strikeouts last night? Twelve. I I know I know I know the Ohio State starter. If you don't mind me jumping in, had fourteen yeah. strikeouts in seven innings. And Mark, I'll talk to you because I actually I got a chance to watch just a little bit of the game on BTN Plus, not the full game. But like what you're saying is ringing a hundred percent true here. Where it's it almost feels like immaturity at bat for some of these guys. Where I mean, last night, how many times did you see that Ohio State starter throw breaking pitches at the Huskers and they were swinging over the top of them? It's at some point in the game, you'd think the Huskers would realize, oh, this guy's throwing a whole bunch of get me over curveballs uh let's Ooh. sit on the curveball and if he beats us with a fastball so be it but you never saw it. it it just looked like the huskers kept on going up there hoping for a fastball hoping for something they could drive whenever the ohio state pitcher just kept on throwing breaking pitch after breaking pitch and then on a one two count or an oh two count he'd throw that high fastball and the, the husker batters would swing right underneath it and and fall for that high cheese it was just 
as Mark's saying, I'm just going to echo everything he's saying. It feels like immaturity for, for some of these approaches at bat, and you wonder if that'll improve as the year goes on, because, I mean, right now the Huskers are only hitting 241 as a team, which isn't what you want, isn't what is going to make you successful in the Big Ten. Real no. quick, you, you look yeah. at uh, opponents, baseball, uh, 11 errors the last two games. Nebraska oh, had a gift-wrapped opportunity against Creighton. Couldn't make it happen. Nebraska 4 for 31 with runners in scoring position to mm. both of your points about maturity <laughs> and uh, at bat. A quick timeout. We will rewind next and hear from the good doctor, Rob Zaniska, part of the pipeline. Get his take on Raiola. Get his thoughts on the uh, the Nebraska offensive approach. Weekend edition at Hale Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. <laughs> Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A week from today, we will be at the single barrel inside the graduate. We'll probably eat thousands of pounds of, of steak and beef, and it'll be a, an incredible thing on spring game eve. We welcome in Husker Hall of Famer, NFL uh, vet, and uh, part of the pipeline, great offensive lineman, the pride of Lincoln East, Dr. Rob Zadiska, his podcast with Travis Justice, uh, Doc Talk, and it is awesome. It's must listen to. Dr. Rob, brother, it's good to spend some time with you. How you living? I'm well. How are you guys doing today? Man, we're good. We are so good and uh, waiting for the spring game, uh, obviously, and you lived a lot of them. Level of excitement, my friend, uh, in your career for the spring game. Was it uh, just another practice? Was it a chance to show yourself? Or was it, all right, uh, somewhere in between? How did you uh, process those moments, those opportunities? Yeah. <laughs> uh... I, you know, it was always kind of lukewarm for me. I mean, it's for well, just from our perspective as players, it was always you would the the way spring ball works. You'd have three or uh, usually three practices during the week, and then a Saturday scrimmage. And the the spring game, I mean, functionally and really kind of the way we ran it, it was essentially nothing other than just. It was that last scrimmage of spring ball is all it was. He had two or three practices that last week. The spring game was that last Saturday scrimmage, and that was it. And, I mean, you wanted to go out, you wanted to perform, but at the same time, you wanted to do that for all the other, the other three Saturday scrimmages of spring football as well, too. And so, I, you know, I never really looked at it as something all that special now. On the flip side, as much as, you know, I mean, they made a, a little bit of a big deal about it back then as well, too. I mean, it was the spring game. It wasn't billed as a scrimmage. They billed it as the spring game. Uh, but in truth, it was just that last scrimmage. Now, if we had 10,000 people show up for a spring game, 92, 93, 94, sometime around then, well, that was kind of a big deal. So it wasn't like it is now where you're basically doing a full dress rehearsal for a regular season game, and you're going to have sixty to 80,000 people in the stands. You just didn't have that then. I mean, I, I think there a few years there we had, I don't know, fourteen to 18,000 people for the spring game, and that was kind of a big deal. So it wasn't something you got super excited about. It was just it was a Saturday scrimmage and a few extra people showed up to watch. That was about it. Rob Zadiska with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, talking spring football a week away. Doctor Rob, uh, let's get into the Nebraska offense. What what do you want to see 
in 2022, not just next weekend, but Whipple, you have new staff on offense. Uh, of course, Bush and in, in special teams. Uh, I think there's some excitement there. But as a, as a as a proud Husker, what what are you interested in this offense? Maybe getting better at or even becoming under Whipple's guidance and some more collaboration. I want to, you know, I don't. I'm not sure. I want to see a drastic change in system as much as I want to just see effectiveness. I want to see things cleaned up. Oh. You know, I, one of the, the big things I've harped on the last several years, I mean, this is even going back to maybe some of the Pliny era, especially when Mike Riley was the coach, and really we've seen it under Frost, is kind of these little mistakes you see all over the place. The turnovers, the penalties, um, the special teams miscues, that's the kind of stuff I want to see cleaned up. And with this new group of coaches, you want to see a group of coaches that puts a lot of emphasis on doing those little things right, on, on that attention to detail. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see. I want to see that out of the offensive line under Donovan Riola. You want to see it under the offense as a whole, under Mickey Joseph and Whipple. If they clean up that stuff, that's going to make a bigger difference than – any new system you're going to come in with. I mean, you can have the greatest offensive system in the history of football, but if you're turning the ball over three or four times a game, it doesn't matter. If you're have if you're leading the conference in penalties, that doesn't matter. If you're having a bunch of special teams miscues week in and week out, and teams are scoring off of those special teams mistakes. Your your bright, shiny new offensive system doesn't matter. So I want to see those little things cleaned up. I want to see them practice and scrimmage without penalties, without mistakes, without turnovers. And if they can do that, that's where I'm going to find a sense of excitement because those were the things that really were shooting Nebraska in the foot last year. A lot's been made about firing off the ball and, and Donnie Raiola you know, uh, assistant coach for the Bears, uh, cut his teeth at Wisconsin, you know, Donovan well. And, you know, we were we were not anti-Greg Austin at all, but from your perspective, just what what can be different with the same talent on this offensive line? You mentioned the cleaning up, yes, obviously. And that's, and that's a big part of it. I, okay. You know, the, the, time, the times I've talked to Riola, very, very, very detail-oriented guy. Okay. And those are the kind of guys you need as offensive line coaches. It's those guys looking at those million and one little things that they're, they're, they know you're never going to be able to d- deliver perfection, but that's the expectation. That, that's the goal. And, and he's the kind of guy that wants that. He's a technician. He wants that attention to detail. He wants to see that. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the, the new technique. In my mind, that's what we did from day one. It's, there's not a, it's not like this is some, um, I'm not sure the word I'm even looking for here. It, it's not some new innovative mm-hmm. blocking technique or style that he's instituting. He's just moving away from, for a while there, there's been kind of a fad. You saw, it, you saw it kind of start at the NFL levels where there wasn't this big push to maybe move the offensive or move the defensive line backwards, i.e. driving off the ball and the, the, the power style of run blocking. It, it was more kind of screening guys off. You kind of create a lane and you sort of shield Picture basketball players playing defense. You gotcha. sort of shield that running lane from the defenders, and it's not a. It's just it's not a very aggressive style of blocking. The problem with that is is that if you have a breakdown anywhere, if somebody gets physically beaten anywhere along the offensive line, that system where you're kind of shielding guys off completely collapses. You beat one guy, you've defeated the entire play. So it, it, that's one thing I didn't like about it. It kind of works at the NFL level. If you've got, if you got five NFL-caliber offensive linemen, you can make that type of system work and work fairly well. 
you just got to have five off NFL caliber offensive linemen, and that's just not what Nebraska has right now. I don't know if Alabama or Georgia have that, and they don't run that kind of system. They use they use a, the kind of like I said the the more aggressive zone blocking schemes where you're firing off the ball and you're you're truly trying to move those defensive linemen backwards. So. Um, I like it just because it kind of goes back to something I'm a little bit more familiar with. And the fact that somebody from the 90s is familiar with it and likes it doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> but it's, there, there's an effectiveness to it. I mean, it, it works. And, and a little bit of the, the plug-and-play we had on the offensive line at that time where you could have four seniors, and, I mean, you'll throw a redshirt freshman or sophomore in there to get a few snares get a few snaps a couple series in to get some experience it works because there's a little bit more forgiveness when you're pushing defensive linemen backwards i mean if if a d lineman if one guy blows up the play but the other three or four guys are pushing their guys a yard and a half backwards that running back can get tackled and still fall forward two or three yards and you at least something out of the play you don't have that with that system where you kind of screen guys off. So I hope it, I hope they stick with it. I hope it stays like that because it's a very aggressive blocking style. It's an aggressive blocking system, and it works well. So I, we like to see that. I mean, I would, us old 90s guys like to see that at least. Rob Zadisk is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Rob, would you say it's fair to say that not only is – this more of a, an effective style, but I think it's also a style that is more conducive to the bodies Nebraska has along the offensive line. Those, those six foot six, six foot seven mauler types, that's what they want to do. They want to fire off the ball and really uh, get into a defensive lineman and push him back. Is that fair? Yeah, well, kind of, sort of. I think it is. I mean, the guys that, the one subset of guys that I worry about a little bit are the kind of the, the six, eight, six, nine guys. And the reason I say that is because those are the guys that have, I mean, you hit a point where it's just, it's pure, it's just geometry and physics. I mean, you take a guy that's that tall, it's sometimes hard for a guy that tall to get low enough to the ground to generate the leverage needed. Um, one of the things that I thought was really, really impressive about Teddy Prohaska last year, he's one of the very you guys like that. He's one of the few six nine dudes who can literally get enough ankle, knee, and hip bend to drop his level low enough that he can generate leverage against a six three defensive lineman. Not a lot of six nine guys can do that, and that's something that I, I worry about because he's coming back from that that it was a pretty bad knee injury. Coming back from a really bad ACL tear, is he still going to have that ability to do that when he comes back from that injury? And can a guy like that stay injury free? Because I, I think he's by I think he's hands down the most talented guy on the offensive line. Rob Zadiska with his few minutes of varsity radio offensive line thoughts spring football week away from the spring game. Dr. Rob, do you like the talent and the options uh, Riola has? Uh, there's some guys that we're not going to get to see due to injury you just touched on, but you have a, 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 a room full of bodies, and you've on paper recruited well, right? I mean, you got to find a center with, with Cam. So talk to me about what you project, not necessarily uh, – the starters today in ink, but just do they have five to seven guys that they can lean on a, a backup guard, a backup swing tackle, a center? Can they be loaded up and, and gel? On paper, they, they've got the raw talent. I mean, there's guys, I mean, there's some of these guys we haven't just haven't seen a ton of like Henry Latosky. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a guy that I'm really excited just, that's a huge human being. And he's not one of those 6'9 guys. I mean, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. But, man, that is a freaking beast of a body. I mean, that is a big guy, strong guy, and he's very explosive. Yeah. And he's a guy that I that you're looking at that I would think at the 10 of those inner three positions, the, the guard spots, the center spot, that I'd love to see how he fits into the picture 
going in. Now you, you've got you've got a nice mix of guys up and down the ranks as far as some young guys. You got some guys who are going to be seniors um, that can fit in there. You mentioned the center position. I mean that's something that still kind of sticks in my craw a little bit that they just don't have a really good true center on the team right now that that's kind of emerged from the lineup that they're going to okay here's our center for the fall they they haven't really tabbed that guy yet um i've got some frustration because you look they i don't even know if he'd still have uh eligibility but you had aj forbes who's a bellevue west kid so you got a local nebraska kid who my understanding was is kind of, I don't know if he was flat out told this or if it was more just sort of a writing on the wall kind of thing, where he essentially was told, you know what, you're only 6'2 or 6'3, you're never going to play here. And so he transfers. He kind of became sort of the negative of Samari Torre, where he leaves Nebraska and goes, to, goes up to Montana and becomes a two-time All-American center at Montana. Jeez. So, but that's that's the kind of guy that I look at. Like, good lord, be nice to have him back in Lincoln this year. And I don't know if he'd still have an extra year of COVID eligibility. But that's the kind of guy that you'd look at that you'd love to have on the roster still, just because kind of a mean dude, good athlete, perfect size. I mean, sort of that six two, six three. 295, can move and has a nasty streak. Very athletic alignment. But it's, that's the kind of loss that I bemoan here when I look at the last couple of years because I'm looking now and going, it's like, you know, we we really needed somebody behind Cam who could, who could pick up that slack and play that center position. And it's an important position. I mean, we saw how that went when Cam was still working on the snapping problems. You have a little bit of a breakdown at that center position. It kills an entire play. And so that was a big focus when Osborne, Tennifer, Dan Young, when those guys were running the show, you always had a center. You always had a backup center. You always had a couple of guys that could fill that role. And that was something that there's a massive emphasis on. And we, I think Nebraska needs to get back to that, putting that emphasis on that position and having a guy, having an All-American caliber guy who can fill that role because we saw how big a, big a difference maker could be when Cam was a little bit off. And if they find a guy, great. It's just I don't, I'm not sure who they're really locking into right now at that position. A few more minutes here with Rob Zadiska. And Rob, I mean, the guys in the offensive line are obviously very important for a running game and a passing game. We saw that last season whenever the offensive line struggled. Uh, it really felt like the offense as a whole struggled, and that's, I guess, the story of football. Uh, but I want to get your take on the other guys that make the running game take. Those are the running backs. Uh, we saw from uh, Ramir, jo- yeah, Ramir Johnson as well as uh, Jacques Ant last season. Now it sounds like Anthony Grant's being added to the room, and he's impressed the coaches. I just want to get your take with what we saw from the running backs last season and what kind of improvement we need from them uh, in this upcoming season in order to have an effective running game. I mean, consistency is the big thing. I mean, and a lot of that does start up start up front with the line, the blocking. Um, where you're going to need to see an effective passing game because as much as I'd love to just say, you know, we're just going to run the ball all day and do nothing else, <laughs> you, do, you do have to be able to kind of get a defense to pull a few guys out of the box a little bit. You can't put nine guys up there and hope you're going to have success running against that play in and play out. you got to have that passing threat. And so I do think they'll have that with the system that, that Whipple and Mickey Joseph want to want to get rolling with there. Um, from the running back spot, again, you, you want to see that consistent performance. We haven't seen that over the, the last time we saw it was year one under Frost with his big bow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you had a guy who really dedicated himself in the offseason. He, he was basically, hey, I'm going to make myself the man going into that my senior year. You look at some of these guys where they're talking about the offseason work that guys like Yant have put in up to this point, and I hope to see that pay off with a little bit of consistency. I think you got three or four guys on that roster, any of who – could be the, that primary running back, that, that first, second, third down guy. I just, 
I, I hope we see some consistency out of it because I think when you see a consistent running game, you do have a guy that you kind of lean on a bit. But in my opinion, the last time Nebraska had a really good, consistent running game was, in fact, a Zigbo senior year. And it's because you had a guy that, one, he was consistent, and the, the team felt like they could rely on him in terms of giving him those 20 carries a game, getting that 100-plus yards a game, getting that 1,000-yard season. The reason those numbers, that 20 yards, the 20 carries a game, the 100 yards a game, the 1,000 yards a season, the reason those are kind of, kind of your good solid benchmarks for a solid running back and a decent running offense is because if you could do that, it does put a ton of pressure on a defense. It does wear a defense out. You start having not being able to rush for 100 yards a game. Also, the defense knows that it's passing time and we can sort of pin our ears back and get after it. And using that running game to soften that defense up. I know one of the stats I got thrown out there recently is that, what was it, Nebraska's quarterbacks were under pressure, what was it, like 42% of their dropbacks this past year. If you've got a consistent running game and they know that draw threat is there, they know that running back potential is there, it softens that defense up. That defense maybe has to sit back on their heels a little bit. You've got to watch for those draw plays. You've got to watch for that running back coming out of the backfield on a screen pass. You've got to pay attention to that a little bit more, and you can't just pin your ears back and get after the quarterback as much. And I think it makes a huge difference in terms of that overall effectiveness of the offense. Rob Zadiska with us, Husker Hall of Famer, part of the pipeline, NFLer. Uh, the Good Doctor and his podcast, Doc Talk, uh, with Travis Justice. Uh, wherever you uh, tune into pods, uh, check out uh, Dr. Rob and Travis. Great stuff on Husker football. Dr. Rob, I know it's uh, it's almost Miller time, my friend, so we'll get your your, your beer uh, pick for this spring. But you're, uh, you're in the medical field for sure. Dr. Rob, you quote tweeted this. Uh, thoughts on old uh, old Fleck, the the boat rower. <laughs> what uh, the before and after picture, my friend? Uh, any commentary? I think well, I think he I think he had a little eyelid. What do they call it? A blepharoplasty done? Where I think he basically had a lid lift. Is what it looks like to me. What about wearing either a suit after a spring a game? Diff- <laughs> yeah, either that or it, either that or it's a different dude. But I. I, it's it's PJ, but he definitely had some work done. Which, hey, good good for him if you want to keep up the, that that baby face. But I'm one of those guys. If now there's functional reasons to do that. If you've got somebody who's got a little bit of a lid leg where your eyelids are actually, you can have some people where your eyelids actually have enough excess tissue, they kind of hang down and can impede your vision a little bit. Gotcha. If it was more of a deal where he either did a lift or he did a, did a little bit of Botox to create a more youthful appearance, the problem with those those procedures, in my mind, it's, it's not so much they don't necessarily make you look younger. They make you look like you had a procedure done. <laughs> it's what they look like. I mean, nobody looks at you and goes like, ah, oh, you had a face lift. Oh my gosh, you look so much younger. You look great. Nobody ever says that. You get a facelift, people look at you and go like, eh, you had a facelift. And Cos- you look like you had a facelift. That's all they ever say about it. So Cosmetic but, or or uh, functional, right? What's what's the answer? Exactly. Here? Well, if we run yeah, into nobody, him- yeah, no yeah, nobody ever looked at Jerry Jones and went like, ah. You got a facelift. You look so much younger. Everybody in Dallas looked at Jerry Jones. He goes, "Yeah, you look like you got a facelift, and you look like you got a facelift." That's it. We so, we, we may wait. Look at Flex. He looks like he looks like he had some kind of lift procedure done. That's it. We may have to wade into those waters with old PJ at media days. So set it straight, <laughs> Page. Stay across the table, my friend. Don't come over the table. Uh, so what are you sipping on here? What What is uh, Dr. Rob's beer of choice this spring? Oh, my God. I'm still, man, I'm still hooked on these New England hazy IPAs. I just can't get it. I can't get enough of those things. I, I'm, I'm in kind of a really bad rut with them. 
So I've, I've been kind of hitting those pretty frequently. I mean, up here in Omaha, we've got uh, we've got cross strain. So I've been hitting cross strain pretty hard with their. They got the whole uh, fairy nectar lineup of whole bunch of different ones, and they're all good. The other place that I've been hitting that has a that has a couple of really really good hazy IPAs I like is Pint Nine Brewing up here okay. in Omaha. They do just an absolutely outstanding job. If I get if I'm in Lincoln, mm-hmm. I go down to my friends at Cosmic Eye. They got okay. they've got some great ones. So they got a Citra that's just outstanding. Well, we'll check her out. Rob Zadiska, Husker Hall of Famer, part of the pipeline. Uh, some insight on spring ball and facelifts and, and all that good stuff. And, of course, uh, beer. <laughs> Dr. Rob, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll cheers soon, my friend. Thanks for a few minutes. Sounds good. You guys have a great afternoon. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to an hour two. Back with you here, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Rainak, Elijah Herbal. So the kid is up. He's getting ready for baseball practice. The dogs are fed. And uh, we're ready to dive in here as we're a week away from spring game 2022. Numbers to get in 466 3776 800 825 5865. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Hale Varsity, at Herbal Essence, and uh, someday Cranach will get that Twitter handle back. A Twitter you got to follow is Brandon Vogel with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, managing editor, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion at Brandon L. Vogel. So, can you guys hear the German Shepherd in the backyard with their squeaky toy? No, cannot. I I, no, I can okay. I can, but I've also had I've been listening to you for the past like fifteen minutes, just in case like you wanted to say something important to me. So I've been hearing the dog going going to town on the squeaky toy. Yeah, I, I thought there was a small animal dying in your home. Actually, is Chris yet to say anything important to you? That's going on years. Do not put him on the spot yeah. like that. <laughs> I mean, the silence says everything. Yeah, yeah. During a Saturday no. morning show, usually usually Schmitty's pretty quiet. Yeah, I have my coffee. Vogues, do you have your coffee? Do you have something on the smoker yet? How are you doing this weekend? I'm doing pretty well. I have, I, I do have some coffee. Uh, no smoker plans for, for this weekend, which is, uh, I guess, an oversight on my part. That's all right. I mean, there's there's a lot to sift through with the uh, the depth discussion, right? Let's go there to start off with spring football and Great opportunity. That's that's been the silver lining. That's been the, the the talk this week. Yeah, it's not good that guys are injured or some key names are out, Vogues. But the opportunity's knocking for for a lot of guys, young and maybe even experienced within the program. Experienced as in multiple years here, but maybe you haven't seen or heard from some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I continue to to love how direct and to the point Mark Whipple is with his these things. You know, he's asked about missing some key pieces, and he essentially said he's like, "Well, we know those guys are good; they'll be fine." Um, and really, like you know, even if you had some of those players, um, and, and you know, there there are some some players like Thomas Fedoni where. 
hasn't been able to play a ton of football yet at, at the college level where you'd like to see, even if you're, you know, relatively solid in your evaluation of his talent, you'd like to see players like that get some reps. But, but, but for some of these veterans who, you know, have, have played a lot of football and are not participating in the spring, yeah, it's, I think it's it's probably okay there. But really, my, minus those those veteran players, um, I, I don't know that this spring would have been drastically different. Like, I kind of look at Nebraska going into 2022 as there's a lot that's unsettled out there. And we're going to – this is going to be a season where – you know, for for really, I think to the greatest degree of the Frost era, we're going to see a lot of new names, um, and that's exciting. It's also probably a little bit nerve wracking if you're trying to evaluate Nebraska's true team strength going into 2022. But it's just kind of where they're at. You know, they they leaned on veteran talent for for quite a while there, and eventually the the bill comes due. You're going to have one of the, these turnover type of years where the roster's just full of, of a lot of guys who have yet to have a chance to prove themselves. So here we are. Uh, it'll make for an interesting, interesting day next Saturday. Brandon, we half jokingly talked at the beginning of the show today about how Nebraska, we know is going to be multiple under Whipple. They might run, they might pass, they might run with the quarterback. The question is, will they be good at any of it? And so it's a really basic fundamental question. I recognize that. But let's handicap it from where you sit. The percent chance that Nebraska is good at offense coming into next year. Hmm. How good would you say they've been in the past to three seasons um, I, to, to set a baseline because uh, I mean I'd say there's a 65% chance they're good at offense next year and, and that's because for me I think they've been pretty good at offense they've just had these kind of like embarrassing kill switch moments uh, that have been a little bit too frequent but they move the ball pretty consistently. The run run game hasn't been as strong as I think they need it to be, or they certainly they'd like it to be. But overall, in, in terms of moving the football, like I, I think they'll they'll be pretty good. They'll be in the top half of the country. So that's kind of where I land at sixty five percent. Vogue, there you have that, it, Chris. It's settled. That, that was your good, open question right? this morning. Yeah, are you going to be good at any of it? And to, to dive a little further. What do you think they'll be best at, Vogues, if we're going to continue this handicapping exercise? Is it going to be the run game that, that steps up and, and maybe resembles a little bit closer to year one, just kind of piggybacking off of what Dr. Rob Zadiska was talking about? You have that back paired with a decent O-line when we think about Farmer and, and Foster, right? We're in Nebraska and a thousand-yard back, and – you know, it wasn't all quarterback heavy because you had a, a, a guy that seized that job. You've got candidates to seize uh, the running back job. Uh, you don't know where the offensive line is going to be, but you're you're working hard this spring to identify some guys that, that are healthy that you think can help. And then you got to get the guys that are injured uh, to come back healthy and, and you plug them back in if they are your best options. Is it the run game you lean on? Do you think it's the receiving core uh, and and your new quarterback, Casey Thompson, or whoever wins that job? Uh, if, if you were to, to place your bets, bud, who, where would you go? Would it, would it be the run game or would it be uh, through the air? Yeah, at, at this point, I'd probably make the, the passing game the favorite in terms of, you know, which of those two things is going to be better, you know, day one in Dublin. Um, so I think part of that is, is Casey Rogers. Part of that is where Nebraska has been. The, the passing game has kind of been their strong relative strength uh, the past couple of years. And with, with the, the run game, there's there's two moving pieces there. One, you've got to get you've got to have somebody emerge that can be you know even like a, a divine Zigbo type of back, who it's clear like he's your your best back, your your biggest threat back there, and you know he's not going to take all of the carries, but he's going to take the majority of them. 
We don't know who that guy is for Nebraska right now. And also where we saw the offensive line last year. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm kind of bullish on that group based on what we're hearing so far and, and just what we've heard from uh, Rayola a little bit this spring. But there's just this, you, you got to get both pieces. Both parts of that need to get better before I'm ready to say the, the run game is going to be how Nebraska wins football games in 2022. Uh, there, there's just, lot, I mean, there's still a lot of unknowns. I mean, we're talking about you're down three of your top four receivers from last year, still a talented group, uh, and you got a new quarterback. But I still, factoring all that in, I, I give the passing game a slight leg up at this very early stage. Does Nebraska have to land defensive line depth in the transfer portal before next year? Probably. Um, I mean, they're they're out there, and you know they get in the mix for for a lot of these these defensive linemen that have that have gone into the portal already and and haven't hit on one yet. But I think they're they're going to keep trying, and you know it's. It's like D-line recruiting out of high school. <laughs> Those guys are always in high, high demand. Um, so you've got to have a pretty good pitch, and you've got to find the right fit. But I, I think if they could get an experienced player in there just to help with the, the depth piece of it, much less, you know, I mean, a lot of the kind of plug-and-play defensive linemen have already found their new homes. Who knows? You know, I think there'll be a second wave of, of kind of transfer portal activity after the spring game. Um, see what that shakes out for Nebraska. But, yeah, I think they, they need a little help up front there. You know, they, they've got some good pieces, some, some guys that have been building, I think, and need to be your leaders. But, you know, just hearing the way that um, Dawson kind of talked about Nash Huttmacher, I mean, you look at that spot in the middle there, and we know, you know, they'll probably be more of a four-man front this year. And he's kind of the guy you can point to and be like, yeah, he fits there. And, and Dawson's basically like, Waiver numbers are awesome. We're still bringing along the on-field part of it, and that's okay. You know, he's he's a young player still at this stage, but kind of lets you know where they're at, particularly on the interior of that defensive line. Vogues, it, it's it's a stark reality in the Big Ten with just how good your lines of scrimmage have to be, and you look at some teams that, as a Nebraska fan, you'd you'd like to think you can line up and and just hammer and and it's not been easy and it's not been the case look at the neighborhood you're in look at what flex done with with their lines of scrimmage both offense and defense look at iowa consistently right and then even uh even northwestern in some past years has has had some guys that uh that made it uh, a long saturday for nebraska with northwestern's defensive lines and not household name guys but Guys that would end up winning on a Saturday, and then even now with Illinois, and uh, the the specialty with with Bielema is offensive line recruitment and development. Uh, that's uh, a tough picture when we're talking about okay, you know, and you think Robinson's ready to take that step as year two as being the man on the interior. Casey Rogers, health permitting, has really shown well, and then you, you've got Tanner and. Garrett off the edge, and and then okay, there's a bunch of young dudes, Roquan and Tariq, and uh, the the other dude, and it, it's escaping me, who's just a, a massive of a man, Jalen uh, Weaver. He, yeah, Weaver. Thanks. Uh, I mean, you've got the bodies, but you just can't you can't fast track this. So, portal is going to be key, and uh, I don't know. Um, it, it just sounds to me like maybe the D line might be a year away. Uh, if you're asking guys to step up and fill vital roles this early in their career. Yeah, it, it, it definitely could be. And, you know, uh, that might be the reality of the situation. Does it match up with kind of Nebraska's, the reality facing Nebraska's football program going into this year? Uh, we'll see. I mean, having, having watched Nebraska in the Big Ten for, you know, a decade plus now, like it's, it's become pretty clear you're going to have a hard time being good in the Big Ten if you're average on both of those lines. And it's particularly tough in the Big Ten, I think, because if you have the seventh best offensive line in the league, you might be the 
fourth, 25th, 26th best O-line in the country, but you're still dead average in terms of the conference. And you, you got to play nine games against, against those teams. And, you know, in 2021, you see a season where the schedule breaks the way that it does, and it was just kind of a never-ending parade of elite pass rushers. And, and you might base that, you know, flip that equation around. You know, you might face eight of the nine best best offensive lines in the country. And that's just the reality of the Big Ten. And, and when we look at Nebraska and its inability to, to have consistent success in the league post-Bo Pelini, um, I think a lot of it comes down to that. It's not that all of those O-lines and all of those D-lines have been average or worse, but on you look at all 10, 11, 12 years together, Nebraska is in the middle of the pack there. So it's going to be hard, I think, for, for the Huskers to kind of get where they need to go until those two lines come up and are more consistently in the top third of the league uh, than, say, middle of the pack. You know, all that said, it, it, going back to the defensive line, it's it, it's really going to come down to health. You know, because you go back to 2009 and 